welcome to Talking Up Eagle Mountain, where we discuss a variety of topics related to Eagle Mountain City government, services, programs, and goals. I am Mayor Tom Westmoreland, and I'll be your host for this episode. The subject matter today is safe routes to school. With us, we have Rex Bremhall, Director of Transportation from Alpine School District. Thank you for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And uh, back by popular demand, we have Paul <laughs> Jerome, our Assistant City Administrator. Good to be here, Mayor. Thank you. And uh, our producer today is Evan Barrett. So let's uh, let's get into this subject of safe routes to school. What what that's about? Uh, we obviously have a perspective from the Alpine School District and the City of Eagle Mountain working together to make sure that uh, our school kids have have op options to get to get to school. So uh, Rex, can you give us a little bit of background? Uh, uh, from the Alpine School uh, District perspective about uh, your transportation policy, uh, busing changes this year in Eagle Mountain? Sure. Yeah, Alpine School District, we, we follow the, the state policy and guideline as far as providing transportation services to, to students. And namely, uh, just a, a little background with, with what the state expects of us is any elementary school family child who lives a greater distance than a mile and a half well, would be provided transportation and uh, that mileage changes a little bit for secondary it extends out to two miles so you have to live at least two miles away from the school to uh, to receive transportation services now that distance rex is that a, a walking distance is that a direct distance it's it's following the Anything that is public, so a roadway, a walking way, a path. So not as the crow flies, but as the roadway systems or, or the pathway systems are, are laid down. Okay, so we've seen uh, uh, some busing changes uh, this school year, right? So uh, now can you explain to us a little bit about uh, what goes into that Bus plan. What, where, where does that come from? What are what are the motivations and the, de the determining factors behind that? Well, we, we have to look at many factors. Um, number one, we have to look at the funding given to us by the state. Uh, we have to look at the guidelines provided by the state, and we have a routing team in the office that they do an amazing job looking out into the future. What what new developments are coming in, as well as what infrastructure is being uh, improved, and uh, and that's that's those are the things kind of drive our some of our decisions. So here in Eagle Mountain, as you know, it's it's just exploding, and and as new developments come in, it it's a it's a good, and it's a there's a positive and a negative. I mean, a, a positive in that you know as these Subdivisions come in further away from the schools, they're most likely will be busing provided. But as infrastructure comes in, more uh, improved sidewalks or walkways, paths, then busing could be taken away at the same time. And that's, that's kind of what we deal with here. There, there have been some, uh, some buses that were, we had been looking at taking out because of improved walking routes or uh, infrastructure. 
And we look at all those things, and that can happen during a school year. It can happen during a summertime. It's just ongoing. It's well, Rex, I'm sure that uh, from the school district perspective, you probably wish you could provide buses for all the kids, but that's just not the real world. Yeah, that, that would be nice. We, riding on a school bus is absolutely the, the safest way to travel, and uh, we'd love to get every kid on a bus and transport them. It's just not... It's not feasible. We don't have a, the money to do that. We don't have the number of bus drivers that would require, nor, nor the buses. So uh, from the Eagle Mountain City perspective, then uh, obviously we try to work closely with the school district uh, to plan ahead and, and do what we can as a city. Uh, Paul, can you um, give that, uh, give that uh, perspective of uh, steps that the the city has taken or is is taking to uh, to work with the the school district. Yes, um, in fact, Rex and his team have been great to work with. We've met many times over the last, I'd say, probably year, year and a half, about this very issue to try to um, see how we can come together and make sure that we're offering the best possible routes for these kids to get to school. Um, you know, Eagle Mountain is changing by the second, literally. And uh, in fact, in 2019, we, we um, issued 1,111 new building permits for new homes. So that's a potential to add three to four, maybe even 4,000 plus people to this city. And with that comes, you know, more school-aged children, of course. Job security. Jo- <laughs> job security for, for Rex, yeah. And, um, you know, but with that comes a lot of growing pains. You know, we have, um, we don't just grow, developments Developments don't just grow right next to each other. A lot of times there's gaps, and in those gaps, there are other landowners. And as a city, we can't just go in and put a trail system in on someone else's property. Um, it takes getting easements. It takes um, looking at what their developmental plans are and even having people potentially deed us the property and then we have to go in with our own expense and potentially put those trails in so what we do is with in conjunction with alpine school district is when that happens if there's gaps we try to figure out well what's the best way to get kids on the existing infrastructure or are there other places where we can move or improve infrastructure so that we can actually make another alternative route um so that's something we we evaluate all the time um, even the routes that we do have existing, they're constantly being reevaluated to make sure that they're still the best route. Um, couple that with the fact that we put in, in the past, I'd say, a little over a year, um, five new traffic lights at intersections. Uh, Smith Ranch Road is the most recent one. Um, Red Hawk Ranch and Pony Express Parkway uh, near Hidden Hollow Elementary. Um, also Mid Valley Road by Frontier, and then Aviator Avenue and Pony Express. All those were due to schools. They're all adjacent to schools. So we take pedestrian safety at those intersections very seriously. Traffic lights are not cheap. Uh, they can be anywhere from 150000 to, you know, north of $200,000 to put in, depending on what it entails in each intersection. So... So uh, in, in determining those routes, the best options, uh, there's a uh, school community council. Rex, can you t- 
uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the community councils and and how they work with residents and the city and 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 the schools and uh, families uh, to determine these routes? I'll do my best. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so each school has a, a community council who uh, they, they sit in with the, with the principal to, to make decisions similar to or including uh, safe walking routes. So transportation department is not the department that decides what a safe walking route is. This is up to the school community council with the principal. And, uh, and, and actually, it, it's a law. They are supposed to sit down each year and designate that, those safe walking routes and then hand those into, into the, the school district, who in turn puts them, uh, submits those to the, to the state. So the number of individuals on the school community council will vary by school size and, uh, and, and by school level, so elementary, junior high, and, and high school. So that's a little bit of background. Um, so is this something that uh, if someone wanted to volunteer, could they uh, join a uh, community council? How do, how do those people get appointed? It, it's by vote. So yeah, they would need to contact the principal and, and let it be known that they have an interest and, uh, and that goes through a, a voting process. All right, so uh, we've talked a little bit about some of the infrastructure that needs to go in and preparing, and that takes time, right? You can't, right. You can't do that overnight. So, uh, and there are uh, no doubt uh, plans for uh, additional pr improvements coming up. Um, uh, can, we, can we name what some of those, those improvements that that are uh, being planned for this Yeah. Um, before I do that, I wanted to just share a success story about working oh, with okay, student yeah. council, too. Um, there's a student council group that worked with us on a gap in our system right here by City Hall. Um, there's a subdivision across the um, across Pony Express Parkway to the, to the west of City Hall, and there wasn't a good way for the pedestrians that wanted to visit the library and City Hall to get across that street safely. Um, we'd been waiting to see the plans that the developer to the south of that subdivision had for the parcel that's there at the corner of Eagle Mountain Boulevard and Pony Express Parkway, but that's still a little, white, little ways off. And so we got with this uh, school community council group as well as um, a pedestrian planning organization to try to come up with an alternative plan. And, and, and now anyone who comes and visits City Hall can see um, that there is a... Uh, we had to do a lot of concrete work and, and alterations to Pony Express Parkway and to a, an unimproved corner of, um, uh, to the, I guess, to the north of City Hall to be able to get that crossing. It's a two-leg crossing to be able to get people safely to and from City Hall. And that does entail having what we call rapid flashing beacons, which are very expensive signs, but they're um, pedestrian activated, just like a button you'd have it. A traffic you know lighted section or intersection um, they can push that and then the beacon starts flashing alerting traffic that they need to stop for pedestrians crossing there um, but they are I believe they're for one set is about fifteen thousand dollars for those signs so it's not cheap but we want to make sure that people are as safe as possible when they're crossing especially busy busier roads like Pony Express Parkway 
Um, and, I, and I think it's important to know, just so uh, our uh, pedestrians using those, that's not an actual stop light. It's just a warning light. Right. So uh, still, when you cross, you want to be you want to be careful. Make sure that drivers see you and that they actually did stop. Yeah, for they you. actually yes. stopped. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's very very important. Thank you for mentioning that. But yeah, it's it it's not a traditional you know it's not even like a hawk light, which you'll see in in places like downtown Salt Lake City. Where there are signs that say, "Okay, when it's when the light's doing this, you do this." It's just it's just a warning system here at these rapid flashing beacons that we have. So, so also we have uh, crossing guards, right? City provides crossing guards. Uh, can both of you uh, jump in on that subject and yeah, give us a little perspective? I'd be happy to start. Um, you know, we we provide two at the city's expense. We provide two crossing guards um, per school. Some schools don't need the two, um, but that's the exception rather than the rule. Um, but we try to evaluate what's best, where, where the best locations for those crossing guards are. Now, I, I, you know, kind of going to um, where we started with wishing that we could provide a bus for every single student, um, no matter how far away they live from the school. Um, same kind of goes true with crossing guards. We have to evaluate where the most crucial points are um, because the, the fact of the matter is, is no matter where you have them, depending on how far away the child lives from the school, they're still going to be crossing a street or many streets that don't have a crossing guard. And so it's imperative that we make sure that, that those children are educated and, and know how to safely cross those streets so that when they're not being led by someone who's watching out for them, that they can do so safely. Yeah, and, and similar to the uh, the safe walking routes, there, there are individuals who, who believe it's, again, the school district, the transportation department who is responsible for those crossing guards. And it's just, it's not, it's the it's the city uh, who, who takes responsibility for that. And, you know, as much as we'd like to be able to say how many crossing guards go where, we, we, we can't and, and we don't. So we appreciate what we can get from the cities and that uh, they're invaluable. Those crossing guards are, are great. So thank you. Yeah. And we do evaluate too with changing needs. I mean, school boundaries change a lot mm -hmm. um, depending on how the, the city's growing. And so we do have to constantly evaluate, you know, is this the best location for those crossing guards? Or since the boundaries have changed since last school year, do they need to be moved to a different location? You know. Yeah, and with the with the growth happening so rapidly, it's it's not uncommon to see those. Uh, uh, well, everything change. Uh, right. You know what? You know the the particular school that someone goes to, or a new school going in, or a new development, or whatever. So Eagle Mountain enjoys um, really one of the better trail systems uh, around. Uh, but still, there's always uh, there are always improvements to be made because not every route has a sidewalk or a paved trail. So, um, what are some of the things that uh, that the city has planned at this point? So, um, obviously, trying to make sure we close some of the gaps that we have in the system, which we do still have gaps. A lot of those do depend on development reaching those areas before we can actually do that. Now, there have been some some instances where we have gone in conjunction, you know, via agreement with the developer or landowner to be able to improve their land. But that's we don't do that. Typically, we wait till the development drives that. 
Um, most recently, we've um, worked with um, Alpine School District near Brandon Park, although um, the busing will now continue through the end of this school year. But we do have a crossing near our rodeo grounds from Brandon Park. Um, any, uh, we do have basically the trails there. There's either a paved trail or a gravel trail that actually has millings, asphalt millings that are pretty solid when they're laid down as um, the base for those trails. Um, but we do have, um, right now, um, we have some lights planned to help with, aid with pedestrian safety. Um, the most recent, or the, the probably the soonest, the one that's gonna go in the soonest is Eagle Mountain Boulevard and Pony Express Parkway. That's already in the and planning state, or sorry. Aviator. Sorry, yes. Okay. Eagle Mountain Boulevard and Aviator, <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, that is um, already in the design stages, so that should, we're hoping um, to get that in sooner rather than later. They're often with development in, the, in a fast-growing state, the, getting the materials is difficult. That's something that happened with Smith Ranch Road. There was a delay on getting those, those materials. Yeah, um, and those can be delayed up to like six months. Six months, right. And that's what happened with Smith Ranch Road. It was delayed six months. So that's one that we're uh, looking into to be able to help at least the high school students that are crossing over Eagle Mountain Boulevard on Aviator from Brandon Park to get safely to the high school um, and be able to do a pedestrian activated um, uh, signal to be able to get across safely. Um, we do have other intersections that we're evaluating for lights as well. Uh, we would like to put one in at um, Bobby Wren Boulevard and Pony Express Parkway. That will likely go in in conjunction with widening the, the road itself from Mid Valley Road down to either Bobby Wren or further down to the roundabout at Eagle Mountain Boulevard. But that we have some, some work to do to try to get some funding um, because that's a, probably about a two and a half million dollar project to widen the road and to put a, in a light at that, that intersection. Um, so yeah, we are, those are some of the, the most recent developments as far as infrastructure goes. But we do have other developmental plans that have been coming in recently that would help fill some gaps, but uh, that's still a ways off. So. so the traffic light at Eagle Mountain Boulevard and Aviator, uh, the plan is to get that in uh, by next fall. That's our hope. So we're, we're, that's what we're plan planning on is to try to have that in place before school starts. Um, but again, some of that may not be up to us. So we'll do the best we can, though, to make that happen. So uh, obviously there are you know, a lot of demands. Uh, budgets are getting tugged in all kinds of different directions. And certainly uh, establishing priorities uh, for any given uh, trail, road expansion, traffic concerns, uh, and certainly pedestrian crossings. Uh, is there anything that you can tell us more about the standards that the city follows uh, in, in order to prioritize uh, these needs? Well, whenever we go through the budget process, which we're actually going through right now, we get council and staff together and try to, to put forth any project that has come to the mind of, of or, or come to the attention of any one of those um, members. Uh, council is a great asset in that they are out in the public and the public's reaching out to them. 
So they often know of some issues that residents are facing. But once we get that information, we have to evaluate it from the standards guideline. Rex, you know, talked about, you know, some of their state guidelines that they follow. As far as road improvements and things like that, we follow um, the MUTCD guidelines, which are through UDOT, to try to determine if this, this is something that is necessary per state guidelines. And then um, we, we basically take that and, and determine if that's something we need to do and how we do it to be able to meet those guidelines. Just because it may not meet those guidelines doesn't mean that we don't determine that, hey, we're gonna do it anyway. You know, we've decided this is a priority and we think that it's, it's necessary for the, the health, welfare, and safety of our residents, which is basically what we are here to do as a city. And so that's what guides a lot of our budget decisions. And then to your point, Mayor, we've got to try to figure out how we get the money. Um, budgets are tight. We have basically about one and a half million dollars of property tax revenue that comes in um, to the city every year. Luckily, we've got other tax revenues like sales tax, but you know, in a growing city with um, a lower sales tax base in a lot of cities our size, budgets are tight. And so we have to try to figure out, you know, what what we can do and we can't do everything with the, the amount of money we have. So certainly on these routes in particular, uh, we're not necessarily going to be able to make them perfect, certainly by an open standard. Uh, we're not going to be able to meet every request, uh, but certainly uh, as a city and as a school district, we are attentive to that. Uh, Rex, is there anything that you can add uh, as far as, um, you know, maybe how the school district and the city work together uh, to, uh, to plan for this additional growth and, and, and to meet those needs? Well, that, that's one thing that we have appreciated is the, uh, the open communication we've had with, with the city and uh, with Paul and with Zach and with Linda. Um, it's, it's so essential. It's, it, without that communication, it would just be a, an outright mess and uh, you know, as as you guys continue to grow, we grow. Uh, your kids are our kids, and and obviously we we want every child to be safe. And uh, and with this open conversation and dialogue, we can hopefully in, ensure that as best as best we can. So it's you know, as we move forward, this this line of communication I, I hope will remain open, and uh, we can bounce ideas off of each other and 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 help and help things flow. So. Well, certainly with the growth that we're seeing here in Eagle Mountain and the number of uh, youth that we have, certainly uh, that's a relationship that the city is going to have with Alpine School District for uh, quite a long time. Many, many years, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we've uh, uh, enjoyed working together and uh, making the most out of challenging situations and adapting and, and doing our best to meet the needs uh, of our residents. Uh, is there anything else that uh, we haven't covered that we want to include here? I think one thing, uh, just to, you know, to the point that we can't solve all um, child routes issues that, that could be brought up by um, parents of students, Ultimately, you know, the parents of each child have to determine if what route is provided is adequate for their child. 
and there are all different types of circumstances and scenarios and so you know parents will need to you know determine if you know the route that we've provided in conjunction with the school district is is not adequate for their child to try to find some alternative route or, or method to be able to get their child to, to school um, you know with us growing so fast any route that exists right now could change and probably will in the, in the coming years um, and in between now and then whenever that actually stops which will probably be long after any of us are involved um, that uh, there there will be challenges there will be growth related challenges and, and some stretching that will happen both by us to try to provide those routes but also for the students that are actually trying to get to and from school so we call these safe routes to school but in reality it's they're really just the safest option that we can come up with under current conditions. Uh, there's yeah. nothing that can replace the safety of uh, a, a child uh, with their parent, uh, you know, under their parent's supervision. And we certainly are not attempting to, uh, to replace that. Uh, but uh, it's uh, certainly, uh, we can look forward to uh, achieving a lot of uh, good goals here, working with residents uh, and working you know, between the city and the school district. Uh, any additional insights that you have on that, Rex, uh, to, to, um, uh, to help with, with uh, the expectations that a parent might have uh, on... Um, on these safe routes and uh, what they can expect from the school district, from the city, uh, in you know getting their child uh, to and from school safely. You know, we we use that word safe, and it's it's so subjective. It, it just varies from individual to individual, and from family to family, and by. By what the state has given us to go by, by the funding, as well as all the definitions, we, we will do our best to help children get to school safely. A, a safe route for one is not going to be a safe route for another, and that's where parents have to come in and make decisions. Is it safe enough for my child to walk to school? If not, then we need to look at you know, whether or not I'm going to drive my child, if we're going to have a, a, a carpool scenario whatever the case may be. And that's, that's where it's good to work with the school community council because they can put together things similar to like, like a, a walking school bus where there's an adult that will walk with kids and, and it can be a, several kids that, that walk together with, with this adult to, to help ensure their, their safety. Um, there, there are many, many ideas out there. I couldn't share all of them. But, uh, but like we were saying, we... We'll continue to work together to make make things as safe as possible for for all children, whether it be on the bus or or walking. And maybe we call them walking routes, and maybe take safe out because safe is is subjective and, sure. and will vary from individual to individual. So right, there certainly is no guarantee in any of it. Right. But if if a parent has questions about the route uh, to school, the best route to school for their their child, um, is there a website they can go to where they can find that uh, information? Each school should have their walking routes posted 
that the, the school community council comes up with, they should be posted on that school website. And then uh, any, any questions, concerns, uh, who should they speak to? I would recommend start with the, the principal, the administration at the school. If they know a school community council member, that would be another good option. Yeah, and certainly the principal could easily direct them yes. to those individuals. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us today on this, uh, on this subject. Yeah, thank you, Mayor. Thank yeah. you. And we will certainly keep everyone posted uh, as new information arises, as uh, new routes are established and, and uh, traffic signals and uh, crosswalks and et cetera. So uh, we want to thank our listeners for tuning in. You have been listening to Talking Up Eagle Mountain. Uh, please, uh, if you have any uh, questions, if there's any Uh, subject matter you would like to see us cover, please let us know. Thank you for joining us. This is Talking Up Eagle Mountain. Hello, Evan here. If you would like to suggest a topic for a future episode of the podcast, you can send an email to info at emcity.org or send a text message to 801-358-1175. That's 801-358-1175. 1175.